0: Rise up! This is the Rise Up
1: Sea Red podcast. All about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider
0: and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering, of course, your Arizona Cardinals. And it is episode 498, uh, the first of our two preview shows. Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the the SB Nation uh, Arizona Cardinals website. The the managing editor over there, uh, my co-host, and one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. It's our week sixteen Cardinals Bears preview picks and predictions and prop best bets and all that sort of thing. So, so preview predictions prop bets. If we're going to go with a alliteration, Seth, this game is a weird one, right? Because we're like, what is what are both teams? They they are both they both started terribly, and they both have kind of found their way, and both are really more looking for the future, but I don't know what to think about this game at all.
1: No. And, you know, I talked with the bears guy and, and it's just, it's interesting how split, like I'm sure there are swaths of people that cover the Arizona Cardinals that are done with Kyler Murray or like, this is, this needs to be, they need to move on, so to speak. But, um, it, it is just interesting to me how truly split the the fans, the media, you know, the experts, whatever you want to call them in Chicago are about what needs to happen with the Bears. And, and it's interesting because I think these kind of like these teams have some mere, you know, likeness to them obviously they both have the questions of the quarterback like do you do you stay or do you go Uh, then you have the fact that both teams have veteran wide receivers that they traded for now while the uh, the bears trade was a much much better deal (laughs) for them than and this is not a shot at Hollywood Brown. Anything the Cardinals could have done for Hollywood, I mean, the Bears got the first over or the ninth overall pick. They're likely to have the first overall pick in the 2024 draft and they got DJ Moore. Um, you know, th- there's there's a giant need at wide receiver. Uh, you know, they both have questions along the offensive line, but they seem to have a competent enough run game. And then you get to the where things start to diverge, and it's that the Bears all of a sudden have a uh, attacking, versatile, and borderline dominant defense while we've seen the Arizona Cardinals defense go the complete opposite way. And, and you, <laughs> you look at it, and obviously this is not a move that the Cardinals were ever going to make, so it's kind of a null point, but... You do look at it, and you go, and you, you kind
0: of wonder, right? You go,
1: hmm, should the Cardinals have made a play for Montez Sweat? Yeah. Um, Montez you know,
0: Sweat, interesting stat. He is now the sack leader for both the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and he's been, you know. <laughs> he has six sacks and I guess we can start right there defensively. That since Montez Sweat got there, their pass rush has improved immensely. He has six sacks in six games, and then you look at their defense. Just overall, in the last six games, so we we look since week nine, and they are three and three, and. They have now the first two games, but we're going to look at a couple of key things is that they didn't have any takeaways in their first two games, but they've taken the ball away 14 times in the last four games and every single game, at least three, they had four, four, three, three. Now, granted, they're only two and two in those two, in those four games, but they, and if you look at their defense, which was atrocious for the first four games, Let's look at the points allowed since those first four weeks when they allowed 38, 27, 41, and 31. It's been 20, 19, 12, 30 to the Chargers, 24, 13, 31, 10, 13, 20. Um, and and so you you look at so they've allowed more than 20 points. One, two, so they they've allowed 20 or fewer points. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 of their last um uh 11 gate 7 of the last 10 games uh 7 out of the last 11 so that that defense has really kind of turned things around they have they don't have it before Montez sweat they didn't have an they didn't have a very good pass rush sweat has changed that their run game is number 1 in the NFL now granted the cardinals did go up against the number 1 run defense in the San Francisco 49ers and ran completely all over them caveat they didn't have Eric Armstead or Javon Hargrave, and so we we do have that is does have an asterisk, and so but you you look at that that run defense. Not only are they number one in yards allowed, they are number three in yards per carry. Which is, I, I guess, if you're looking at a, a a run defense, I think that's probably the more important stat because yards per game can sometimes get a little bit skewed when you're a t- because if teams stop running the ball against you. Like, the Cardinals one time had a fairly high uh, ranking in rush defense, but were not that great in the yards per carry. And it was just simply a case that the teams were, you know, the Cards were playing from ahead, so they didn't give up many, they didn't run the ball that often. But this, this appears to be what is a very good run defense, which is going to be a really tough matchup for an offense that honestly has to run the ball to be successful.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, and there's no reason to, like, go back into it in this game. But, you know, you've got a team that just lacks talent on the offensive side of the ball, especially at pass catcher, right? And so you have to be able to spread the field, run the ball consistently, and from there, you know, hope that things work out the the right way. Um, you know, and it's just – it makes it tough. I mean, this, this team, if they can potentially – uh you know keep things in check their run game should be good enough that they um that they compete but it's not a guarantee and so those are you know those are the things and they need something more um they need something more from the pass catchers i mean that's just the reality yeah. of it
0: and um, we'll get we'll talk more about that in the second part um offensively they don't have a they, they have a good run game. Chicago's a good run game. Uh they rank uh in their they rank fifth in yards, fourth in, in attempts, and their ninth in yards per attempt, but they don't have a dominant performer. Their leading rusher is Justin Fields with four hundred and eighty eight yards with Deontay Foreman at four twenty five. Now granted, uh he's kind of been their main guy. He's not been superficial, three point nine yards per carry. He's played in nine of their uh fourteen games. And so uh, you've got Fields with 488, you've got Foreman with 425, followed by Khalil Herbert 347, Roshan Johnson, he's a rookie for 274. Th- their rushing attack is kind of varied um, in that sense as opposed to the Cardinals who like it's it start it begins it begins with James Conner and then you get the compliments of the explosive plays from other players, but it's it's the James Connors game. But what do you think of Deontay Foreman as as a starting running back?
1: I mean, he's he's a poor man's James Conner, if that makes sense. I mean, six foot two thirty five, he's a grinded out type. I mean, you look at his games, um you know, and if he's running for, you know, 15, 16 times, he's rarely over four yards per carry. And if he is, it's, it's you know, barely. I mean, he's got one where he was at five and a half, and that's his high for the season. The rest of the time, I mean, you look at his attempts, 21 attempts, 3, 3.8 yards per carry, 20 attempts, 4.2 yards per carry, um, 15 attempts for 4.3 yards per carry, 11 attempts 4.5. I mean, it's just that's not his game. He's a grind it out, pound it out type of guy. Um, obviously, we have to take a, a little bit of those stats with a grain of salt because of last week. I mean, six, <laughs> six carries. Six carries
0: for minus six. That that was like as if it were Keontae Ingram playing.
1: Right, and so like that, you know, we take that with a grain of salt. That was against the Cleveland Browns. We've seen what the Browns do, um, you know, and, and so that'll be the thing that, that matters in this game is you know how who who gets off in the run game and and you mentioned it you know you have Foreman and and then you have Fields who you know not as dynamic as he was the last couple of years obviously injuries have really you know played a part in that this year but he's got big games still right he's got the 18 carries for 104 yards in their loss to the the Detroit lions, he's got 12 for 59 and a win over uh, the Vikings about a month ago. Um, You know, he's got the, he's got the 12 for 58 and a touchdown last week or two weeks ago, I guess by the time this airs um, and their win over Detroit. So it's not, it's not that he's not running or dynamic. It's just that his game, you know, he's, he's changing his game and, and, trying to adapt and become a better passer. I mean, you look last year, he finished with over 1100 yards rushing in 15 games. Um, you know, he, he, in 10 games this year, he's only at, you know, just over 400. So, you know, you can see the concert or just under 500, I guess I should say. And, and you can see the concerted effort for him to kind of bury and change what he's doing. Um, and he's done a nice job and we'll talk about their passing game shortly but he's done a nice job in doing that when you look at the fact that they don't have a ton of talent at wide receiver i mean something we mentioned kind of at the top but their their strength lies in their diversity of their run game and you mentioned it i mean you look at you look at these numbers and they're kind of they're kind of crazy cuz nobody i shouldn't say nobody that, that's disrespectful but like none of these guys are are they none of them wow you, but like you look at the attempts? James Conner has 143 yards, he, he leads the Cardinals. He obviously missed uh four games, right? Um, and and so that's that is what it is. The next closest guy in attempts is 56 with Amari Mercado. the next closest is Josh Dobbs with 47, but then you get. <laughs> You know, you get Dobbs and Keontae Ingram. They combined have 82 carry attempts. Um, you know, obviously neither one on the roster, right? So so from there, you have Kyler, 29, Rondell with 24, Michael Carter, 11, Damian Williams, 11. Like, you just kind of have a mishmash. You look at their top four runners, 109 carries for Deontay Foreman, 96 for Justin Fields, obviously their most dynamic ball carrier. Khalil Herbert, 82, and you mentioned it, 4.2 yards per carry. Roshan Johnson, 60, again, 4.6 yards per carry. So, like, all of these guys have kind of been the same. I know they have some hope for Johnson. He's a rookie, so we always, you know, kind of give those guys a, a little leeway. But a lot, you know, these guys are all just kind of like the Cardinals, we talked about last week. You know, they have James Conner, right, who's, like I said, similar to, to, uh, Deontay Foreman, the big kind of pound, pound it back. They have Amari Di Mercado, not a bad size back in any shape or form, but very patient. You know, you don't look at anything he does as eye popping, right? But it's his <laughs> patience and his ability to kind of find and navigate the hole. Um, I guess that would be Khalil Herbert, but at the same time, you know, he's, I think he tested better than Di Mercado, if I remember right. And then they have, a guy, and again, I don't mean this in this negative connotation, but like they have their, Dante Ingram, right, in, in Roshan Johnson, the big six foot two hundred twenty five, athletic, um, supposed to be very versatile back, and so you look at those things and you go, okay, uh, they don't have just a bunch of variance or, or diversity in what they what these runners do, and so it'll be kind of interesting to see. Because at the end of the day, I, I don't care who it is, they're all probably going to be able to run against a defense that has struggled to stop it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and now we get to the to the receivers, and, and the passing game is it's basically been two guys. It's been D.J. Moore, who's got 80 catches, for over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns, and tight end Cole Komet, 66 catches, 571 yards, six touchdowns. Those are basically the only two guys that, that – Justin Fields trusts and and you've got a guy in Darnell Mooney who's super dynamic but is kind of kind of invisible this year either by his performance or by his usage in the coaching staff like that's a guy that that we've seen be absolutely dynamic and has just not been not been used or not been targeted Um, especially but I mean it's hard to do because DJ Moore is He's a guy, he's a dog he's an alpha he's he's an absolute stud at receiver um and it's he, he's doing what we would have hoped hollywood would have been was doing this year right
1: yeah and he's got i mean you look at it though he's very sporadic i mean he's got he's got five games with over 95 yards and then every other game he has under 70 yards and 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 so that's the thing is like when he gets off it, he he puts up monster numbers i mean you look at these games 7 for 96 6 for 104 uh, 11 for 114 8 for 131 and then we all remember i think it was a thursday night game when he went for 8 for 230 and three touchdowns right like just a just an insane game and but from there you kind of look at it and it's it's you know very pedestrian 6 for 68 5 for 58 and so his his production, it kind of mirrors what you see out of the Bears' passing attack, and that isn't really shocking when you just look at the fact that, like, they kind of go as he goes. Like, he he is the engine of that passing game, and, and so if the quarterback gets the ball in his hands, um, then that's a good thing, and if it can't, then he – you know, he does a nice job. You know, usually averages about 11 yards a catch and gets those. And if he gets five catches, he'll have, you know, 60 yards. If he <laughs> if he gets four catches, he'll have 45 yards. Like it's just it's it's just a really it's a really interesting passing attack because, like you said, you've got more, you've got Komet, and then you've got guys that just have never reach the level of success i mean darnell mooney was supposed to be the you know the the speedster the guy on the outside and you look at his career and uh you know two years ago in chicago his first or justin field's first season i, I mean this is baffling Th- this dude put up over a thousand yards and then from there he's just never been able to kind of replicate that success yeah. a lot of it's been health you know 12 games last year he is on pace to play and and uh 17 games this year but you look at it you know 81 for almost 1100 and now you know he goes down to 40 for 493 and this year he's averaging the most yards per reception in his career but he's just not getting the ball 29 catches for 409 yards of touchdown i mean he's a dynamic dynamic stretch the field threat but it just seems like it's not something that the bears trust i mean they they're more of a hey let's get the ball in dj's hands um and, and then, you know, they use Komet similar to what we see with the Cardinals doing with, with Trey McBride.
0: And then you look at look kind of look at how the, the bear season has gone. Now, granted, they went 0 4, played terribly to start the year. But since then, they've been quite mediocre. They're five and five. They're five and five since that 0 4 start. And I know you can't ignore the 0 4, but that's that you've got a team that is meh. Um just that's a bad start. And the way they've done it is that they've they, they haven't been streaky. They only once is after that first four games. Only once have they lost two in a row, and only once have they won two in a row. And that was, and they weren't consecutive weeks. This was before and after the bye week. And so you're going win loss, uh, win loss loss win loss win win loss. Um, it, they've been very up and down. They've been very up and down this season. And you know they they've also had I think it's three. Fourth quarter ten point leads, like fourth three fourth quarter double digit leads that have turned into losses, um, and, and one of them happened last week uh, against the Cleveland Browns when they were the latest victim to the eliteness of Joe Flacco. We can never forget the eliteness of Joe Flacco. Um, yep,
1: it's insane.
0: <laughs> and, and so now we get now we get what's that uh, we get to see what the Cardinals have again in a game, which is interestingly enough, it's two fan bases now. Fans always like to see their teams win, but collectively, these are two fan bases that wouldn't complain if their teams lost because of the draft. And so it's kind of like two teams that are going to compete, but do they re- should they really win? That that's that's the tricky part. And in and and separately, we're all Washington Commanders fans this week. Um, I I actually kind of I do like them this week against the Jets. So crossing fingers. Washington getting one. That's one of my underdog picks for the week is, is a Washington win over the Jets. So let's go, Commanders. Pick up that win and let the Cardinals win another win a game before the end of the year and not feel terrible about that ending. So, yeah. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to the actual matchup, keys for the Cardinals, matchups that we're looking at, and more. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of of Cardinals talk on the web, talking about now. The preview, uh, the matchups, the keys. Um, I think number one, and and this kind of goes with pretty much every, but especially this week, the Cardinals can't afford to turn the ball over. Um, They turned the ball over twice. They've been really good about it because they went two games without a turnover. They'd only had two turnovers in four games, and they turned the ball over twice last week. Kyler threw two picks, and he threw two interceptions. The Cardinals lost by two touchdowns and two two two-point conversions. And, you know, take one or take both of those away and you've got a very interesting game. You've got a very interesting game um which was it was a it was a, comp, it, was a comp, it was a fun um competitive blowout <laughs> I guess if you want to call it that. But this week if they turn the ball over the, that the rate that the that the Bears opponents have been turning them over 14 in the last four games, the Cardinals don't have a chance.
1: No, and it's going to be a long day because they'll lean on a run game that, you know, we we covered. Not great, but it's not ineffective in, in closing out games. Um, and they'll, you know, like we highlighted, they'll keep running it. I mean, they're fourth in the league in, in rushing attempts for a reason. And so if the Cardinals can't stay productive on offense, then it's going to be a bad, bad game for them. Um, the thing is with the bears though, is they tend to share the ball quite a bit too, right? They're 20, they, they're uh 24th in turnovers given. Um, and
0: they have turned the ball over six times in their last four games, including, yeah. including five in their last three, um, in their, in their win over Detroit, they didn't turn the ball over. And in fact, Jonathan Gannon talked about it yesterday and he said that fourth. the, the, the turnover stat is really interesting with the Cardinals this year. Now it's a money stat for for the Bears when you, when it comes comes to turnovers and like winning the turnover batter, let me let me pull it up. I just I just wrote about it. Um, the Bears uh, Jonathan Gannis said four and one four and oh, they're not four and oh they're four and one when they win the turnover battle when they have fewer turnovers than their opponent. They're 0 oh and six when their opponent when they turn the ball over more to their opponent. The Cardinals it's been different. They are 2-5 when they win the turnover battle. And they're 1-5 when they lose the turnover battle. So the, the Cardinals are an anomaly this year, um, but the Bears are very much in play there. And so it, it, it's pretty much it. For, for, for the Bears, if they turn it over more than their opponent, if they're negative in the turnover um, differential, they're going to lose. Uh, that hasn't been the case for the Cardinals, but in in this game in particular, that's going to be super super important.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it seems obvious, right? Like you said, it, it seems like it's an obvious situation, but it's odd how the Bears turnovers come, right? Uh, you kind of mentioned it. You've got you've got six in the last four games, but. Uh, Or let's go back six in the last five games, but in those in those two games without turnovers, um, they forced uh, they forced three and won two of those games. The other ones they just tend to get more turnovers. Uh, You know, we've got the the Josh Dobbs implosion game against Minnesota with the four four turnovers we got the detroit lions game you know two weeks ago where they were the lions and jared goff imploded i mean 127 pass yards like what is happening um and and he threw three interceptions but then you go back and and it's been a while obviously but some of these numbers are super super baffling to me and and you mentioned earlier kind of like their whole thing this year but you know they had five turnovers in a game they caused zero turnovers and they lost 24 to 17.
0: That's cuz the Saints are no good.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they're I mean, they're going to the playoffs probably, but you I mean, I agree they're not any good, but um you know, you go to their you go to their game against the Minnesota Vikings, three turnovers the first time, three turnovers to one, they lost 19 to 13. You go, you know, last week obviously, three turnovers to three. They lost 20 to 17. Like, it doesn't make sense how they can turn the ball over so much and play close games, but it's because their defense has been, you know, like you mentioned from outside that that, fir- that start of the season, their defense has been playing really well. And so those things, even though they don't match up, they make a huge difference. And, and you know, so when they have the bad um, – when they have the big turnover games, it happens, but they tend to make up for it on defense. And you look at, and I've talked about the stat a little bit, the last couple of weeks, right? The, the expected points they've had two, you know, in, in those last, um, in those last several games, they've had two where they, uh, they were plus, but they were barely plus. I mean, plus four and plus 3.7 but their defense in three of those four games plus 10 plus 10 and plus 21 so like their defense has been borderline great the last you know three of the last four games and they're two and two Um, and, and so like when your defense, you know, we, we went over Montez sweat, obviously he's the big factor in that, but when your defense keeps you in game, it's the thing that we've lamented about the Cardinals, right? Like their offense somehow scores 29 points, but their defense gives up 45 and you're like, that's going to happen. Like, (laughs) and like they, they can't get the stop. They can't get the turnover. They can't, those are the things that they're missing. Um, and so we'll see, you know, how it shakes out this week have you looked because i have not so we're doing this live on the air um what the weather's supposed to be like this weekend
0: um i asked Alyssa, and and it sounds like it's going to be ideal temperatures it's going to be in in the in the upper 40s yeah
1: high high 40s so it's supposed to rain friday and monday so you know for those of you that have never lived in the Midwest, I did for one year. It was miserable. Um, <laughs> those things come in quick or, or sometimes they just don't come in at all. So who knows? I mean, hopefully it is clear on Sunday because that's, you know, you don't want to make excuses, especially early. But um, that's the hope, right? Because uh, oh, yeah. you just don't want a sloppy game on top of that. Like, no we, we don't want to see any version of the, uh, what was it, the other day the three nothing minnesota win right oh, like we don't so want that bad. unless unless a 63 point barrage comes the next week in which case <laughs> maybe jess and i'll slog through a three nothing win or loss if we <laughs> if, if, they, can, we're if they can put up
0: 63 against the eagles <laughs> yeah if we're guaranteed
1: 63 the next week then i'll be like you know what i'll take it fair.
0: <laughs> so uh, if we're looking at individuals i think we have to look at there's some matchups now. Um, I think, number one, you're going to look at Paris Johnson against Sweat, who does primarily rush over the offensive right side. Um, We get to see Paris Johnson go up against a big-time pass rusher. Um, That's what we're going to see. And then I think, well, now we have to pay attention to this, is now Chris Barnes. Um, They're down to their third, Mike, starting linebacker, as, as Josh Woods ended up on injured reserve with an injury that was not disclosed. Chris Barnes is now the guy, which means... Now he's been a starter before in the, in this league, um, and and the when we've seen him play, it hasn't been bad. But it, with a team that runs the ball pretty well, and you've got a defensive line that is that is you know depleted, and you're on your third starting middle linebacker, you want to see Barnes play well in how that turns out against the running game. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that's gonna be a big thing and and like you said, it, it makes it tough, man, to to really kind of grind into any of this because you get semi-frustrated by the fact that we knew they were gonna be bad. Like there was never a thought of like, hey, maybe this team sneaks into the playoffs, right? But at the same time, it's frustrating the amount of injuries that have occurred this year at positions i mean kaiser white obviously a big one josh woods you just mentioned it, he's gone and so and they by the way they haven't played extremely well by any means but then you know you look at it chris barnes you know has to step in from there you know you've got uh, ezekiel turner you've got o.m popo like just these guys that are having to step in and you're just kind of like man this is like borderline frustrating because it's one thing to be bad right but it's another thing to be bad and perpetually injured and try to like make heads or tails of what you have because you know and it's one of those things that you and i've talked about ad nauseum like it's hard to evaluate because you know you have you need three or four offensive or excuse me defensive linemen right you you know you need that, but at the same time, you don't know what you have in Carlos Watkins and DJ Collier, or LJ Collier. Excuse me, it's been so long I forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> LJ Collier. Uh, you know, so like at the same time, you're just like, ah, oh, man, this is tough. And and then you look at these other guys, right? And you're like, all right. So you assume Kaiser White's going to be back, but like, so do you? But do you preferably need? An actual like inside backer, and you can move him to that will inside backer position that he kind of played in Philadelphia, and he can't be the actual inside. Like it just, it just is, it's been super frustrating, man. And you just don't know where or how to go about it because there's just no, there's just doesn't seem to be a right answer.
0: Yeah. You know, the the Cardinals have no sacks in their last three games. And the, the seems, edge guys. Yeah, and, and, you know, th- going against the, the, the Bears tackles looks like you can't bank on that. However, however, um, interior could do that. Nate Davis hasn't been particularly good at right guard. And Tevin Jenkins at left guard is in concussion protocol. So I think a matchup would be able to watch is to see the defensive tackles. Jonathan Ledbetter, Dante Stills, Kevin Strong on the interior and to see if they can generate any pressure on Justin Fields um, taking advantage of that because I don't think we're going to get it from the edge guys Um we just haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, zero sack again. Seth and I have as many sacks as the Cardinals do in the last three games. Uh, we could go. It, we could go back and say Jonathan Abraham and Simeon Rice are tied with the lead in sacks this season. In the last three weeks, that's bad. That's bad.
1: Well, and, and you know what, my favorite thing is, is that Jess is, uh, you know has performed as well as Marquise Brown in the month of Jan or December. And I have performed as well as any of the edge rushers in the month of December. And those are, you know, those are always fun. That's always good.
0: You know, after that, you know, they, they do pretty all right. They've done pretty all right recently in limiting massive games from wide receivers. Um, but they've also given it up in the other way. So we'll – we'll and I think Christian McCaffrey is a special kind of player. So I'd, I wouldn't say that we can expect a big game that way. Now, on the other side of the ball, got to I mean, I don't know how healthy Hollywood's going to be. But they need him on the field. They, they, need, they need something. Something from the receivers because I – if James Conner isn't great, they need more than Trey McBride. And I think Trey McBride's going to have a big game because – That's all they have, but they need something from their receivers. And you've got, you've got your eyeballs focused on, on Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, and hopefully a reasonably healthy Hollywood Brown.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the bears have a very um, dynamic defense. I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about. And, And so to that, as Jess is saying, like, How are they going to respond? How are the Cardinals going to respond to this game? Um, and the, the first thing that you look at and the hard part about it is you look at it and you go, Oh, okay. Well, the first thing that you know is that they have a really good, uh, corner in Jalen Johnson, a guy that's highly, highly underrated overall by a lot of people in the NFL, but he's just been, you know, borderline elite, uh, coming out of Utah, I think it was 2020, um, and he's just become a potential Pro Bowl corner, uh, second-round pick. You know, he's done a great job, especially in coverage this year, which, you know, makes it even more important that the Cardinals get something out of a wide receiver because this is a guy that takes away half the field. So, God forbid bid they're like hey go guard trey mcbride anytime he's in the slot or anytime he's doing this like you're talking about an elite eraser type defensive back now that's not to say that trey won't get his still but like it may only come when he's in line you know maybe when they split him out like they love to do and which they should do i mean it's phenomenal it may be a harder road to hoe and so you know like you said they got it like somebody's got to show up this week they've got to put up some numbers they got to make some plays they got to get open i mean the stat where the cardinals have the least separation by wide receivers in the nfl is just is that just not such a baffling thing to you it's
0: like and, as and dynamic and and, as, and completely not surprising because that's the way it's been for like the last three years right
1: well i yeah i get that but like with as athletic as rondell and hollywood and greg Dorchar, you're like How are you guys not getting, like, Michael Wilson, understand, he's a guy, he's a rookie, trying to find his way in the NFL, but, like, these other guys, it's like, your athleticism is your calling card. Like, how are you not creating space? And, obviously, we highlighted early in the season Hollywood, the misses to Hollywood, and that's a lot of it, right? Uh, But now, all of a sudden, he can't create separation because of the heel issue. That's how I think, like, for you, I don't know how you feel, but, like, for me, that's how I know he's actually hurt right because like this is a guy that was winning consistently right absolutely all all the cardinals quarterbacks were missing him and now he physically like he did so he's either quit which is the which is a problem and we can speak to that or he physically can't do it which i tend to give guys the benefit of the doubt in this situation i mean what reason would he have to quit? He's playing for a contract. And now they're talking about, like, he's only going to get a one-year, $12 million deal wherever he goes. I mean, and at that price, you might be like, oh, if, if the Cardinals, you know, draft Marvin Harrison Jr., sign T. Higgins, you're like, hey, we can bring back Marquise for $12 million on one year and push a couple of those other cap hits. Like, now all of a sudden there's no, there's literally no excuses for Kyler. Like, it's time to put up or shut up, buddy. <laughs> like, you know, and so, that's, that's why I have, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Like he, he seems hurt. He's not explosive. Like he was before. It's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough as somebody dealing with a you know, a leg injury. I was actually at physical therapy today. And it's crazy to think like the things that you don't expect to hurt. And, and my physical therapist was explaining to me, it's like, especially with tendons, it's like, and I, and again, we don't, we, it's a heel, right? We have no idea what, but like, it's a heel. Um, but with tendons, you know, that's what he said. He's like, he's like, this can take six months until you feel comfortable with it. And it can take eight to 10 months until like, you forget that it like that you hurt it. And so if it's, I mean, obviously it's, not as serious as the surgery that i needed but like if it's something where it is a tendon in his heel and he's just having that nag like and he just doesn't feel like right like we could be talking three four months that he needs off to like heal it and he's just trying to grind through so i mean it's tough and so you need the other thing is and it was something i talked about on tuesday which is really weird that they can't still can't run screens. As good as they're running the football, you would expect them to be able to run screens because, you know, screens come off of play action and things like that, but they just can't run them. And, you know, so then when it is obvious passing situations, they don't have that that little wrinkle to to dive into. And so like you kind of highlighted, it's it's like, hey, it chuck it up to Trey and pray, right? Like that's where they're at
0: right now. Coming the next on the Rise Up Sea red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to the final segment where we make our picks, our predictions, and talk some bets That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea red We're back on the Rise Up Sea red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. As we close out this edition of the show, we talk about how do we think this is going to play out. Now, first, uh, this it's got a four-point line right now in BetMGM, and honestly, I do not know. I don't know how to think about this game other than I don't think the Cardinals will win. I don't. I think they can win, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to struggle just enough in running the ball, but at the same time, I don't think the Bears are going to run away with this. I think this is going to be a game that's going to be pretty high scoring, and and, and so and I want to see that. Honestly, I want to see the Cardinals' offense working, and if the Cardinals can't stop the, Card- the the Bears' defense, it's fine because the Cardinals' defense hasn't been stopping anyone other than Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's office is atrocious, and it's abysmal.
1: Yeah and and so that's the big the big question mark is is this game one where the Cardinals offense competes against you know a good defense obviously uh not as good as they last played but a good enough defense and so the first thing i see is this this 43 over under man that seems that either that either screams to me that Vegas sees this being lopsided in the Bears' favor, or that there's a reason that under 43 is is near plus money because they're they're trying to juice up uh, people taking the over <laughs> it's it's like I'm not,
0: thinking over 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 yeah that's what I'm just, thinking.
1: it's just not as, it's just not as good of value so that's you know it's over over under 43 on on DraftKings uh same thing minus four here the the first number or like the first thing that i really really like and it's it's one to kind of look at and we we've talked about these ladders the last couple of weeks and Jess and i have been pretty on these ladders um justin fields this is on draftkings i don't know what the number is on 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 uh, betmgm Over 198 and a half passing yards is minus 140. So, so not great. Um, At that rate, just take him at 200 plus alternative yards. That's minus 120. So better. And then the latter up to 250 is plus 175, plus 360. I I really like that with how bad the Cardinals pass rush has been, as Jess has highlighted. And if you go back to last week, man, there were two throws he made that were dropped and i'm not even talking about the hail mary at the end there's two throws that he made that were dropped that you're that you're talking about like 300 plus yard game you're talking about this this dude looked phenomenal against the you know one of the best defenses in the like he was he was close to putting on a show and uh and they just dropped him so i'm, I'm i like Fields plus two hundred plus. I would go with the two hundred plus. It's one and a half yard difference. If you get hooked by one and a half yards, I apologize. I so if he only gets to one ninety nine, but doesn't get to two hundred, I apologize. (laughs) But I would go because it because I mean you're talking you know you're getting twenty points better and and minus one twenty instead of minus one forty.
0: Yeah, for me, uh, this is this is plus odds, and this is simply because of his career. Kyler Murray over one and a half touchdown passes is plus one seventy. He hasn't had a uh, he hasn't had a two touchdown game yet. The Bears gave up two to to Joe Flacco. They gave up two to Jared Goff in their re- most recent games. But if you look at Kyler's career, he'd never gone more than three games without two touchdown passes in a game. He's already gone five, and so I think that that's I think the numbers are going to bear out. And so the, and especially with the fact that you can get Plus one seventy uh, on that play. Uh, that's I think that's a that's a really timely one at this point.
1: Yeah, I like that one too. I mean, Fields is uh, plus one fifty four. So like even something crazy like taking both of them solo and then parlaying them would probably be um, a really nice little juiced odd situation. I'm actually looking right now see if what those numbers would be if they have those. Yeah, Justin Fields over. And, yeah, plus 525 if you did both. Uh, I mean, because, like Jess just pointed out, um, obviously we know that Tyler's put up numbers for his entire career, but you look at Fields the last couple weeks, and he's got, you know, he hasn't thrown more than two – or, yeah, more than one touchdown since – uh, October and this is the defense to do that against right
0: <laughs> yes like uh, I, I'm glad the DraftKings got him because we don't have the alternate lines yet on 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 BetMGM uh, we're looking at the straight rushing props we've got James Conner fifty two and a half. I do like the over on that especially the way they're using him um, and honestly Deontay Foreman at over 39 and a half seems like a pretty good lock too
1: yeah, that seems low, does it not? But it's the, about the, the one,
0: usage. But I, I like. I was I, say I'd, that's I'd like to say the one thing see, you have to worry about. Yeah, I I think though, like because when Baltimore came in, I I said take the over for Gus Edwards as well, and that ended up playing out well. Is uh, I I'd like like when the alternate lines come out, is uh laddering the over and fifty yards for, for Deontay Foreman, and then kind of leave yeah, it at that. And,
1: Yeah, and that's plus 140, so that's a great, you know, that'd be a great one. Um, Justin Fields is at 56 and a half. Again, his numbers rushing are good, but they haven't been elite like they were before. Uh, 30, 58, 59, and then that 104-yard game. I don't know if they're going to need him to put that Superman cape on, though. That's where I get concerned. 56 and a half seems like too much. I'd stay away from Fields number, um, altogether, but I, I don't think you need to, you know, but then you look at the offense or the, the receiving yards. The one thing I I'm looking at that really stands out is Cole Komet. He's only 37 and a oh half. My yards. Gosh. Um, that's at minus minus one ten as well. You look at that Jess highlighted, obviously the the injuries at the inside linebacker. Now you have Chris Barnes there. Um, you know, what is it going to be? Papo? Like, who's going to be the next guy? Yeah, right.
0: The, the way they were using it the, before, it would be Turner, but they might go with Papo. Papo's got uh, has found a role in there in their NASCAR deal in their in their all linebacker pass rush group. But yeah, you know, <laughs> when when you add that, that seems Cole Komet seems low. Honestly, you know, Trey McBride at fifty nine and a half. Uh, I and or you could go off the receptions at five and a half. Now, granted, I I'd, for, you probably want to take some alternate line because the receptions is minus one fifty for over five and a half. That's not a very good. That's that you get no, so much juice on that one.
1: Yeah, but and then the other one that I like is uh, I like both Comet and McBride. They're over in longest reception. a uh, sixteen and a half. McBride's nineteen and a half. And I feel like that's a pretty uh that's something we see from him every game, you know. I know I know he averages about 10, but he has he usually he has, has so one many big, rest- he
0: usually has one big like a 20 plus or 19 plus catch per game.
1: Yeah. So and, and you look at um you know Comet this year and he's he's had a good year and and he's hit that 19 and a half and um or sorry 16 and a half in half the game. So like, you know, obviously 50-50 you want higher odds, but in gambling, 50-50 is actually really good. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so, the, you know, you look at that, and like I said last week, he dropped one that would have been like a 70-yarder, and uh, so, uh, you know, that's a, that's one that you have, to, that I like personally. The The numbers that scare me the most this week are the runners. Um, I don't, I'm not worried about, like you mentioned, um not super worried about, James but those I mean I like Deontay. I like that 39 and a half anything over like gets into the 40s the juice has to be worth it to me like and, and so like you said if you ladder that to 50 plus I think that's completely 100% worth it but like I wouldn't take anything over 50 like if for some reason they move him over 50 I'd stay off of it um the other one that's always interesting and again if weather's not a factor Matt Prater over one and a half is plus 110. Yeah, one ten. Yes. We've we've hit on this a lot this year. Um now it's not indoors, so that's a little bit and if the and, and you know they call it the Windy City for a reason, right? But like uh, it, it with the chances of things I'd like that. The other one is Kyra Santos over two and a half point after attempts made. I don't know if if there it's just the it's Chicago vibe from the marks or what but like i think they're gonna put up you know four maybe five scores yeah and so
0: which which takes us know, to our final score prediction i've got the i've got the bears scoring four times in the 28 24 win Um uh, and ending up with a push with if you're going with so if you if you like uh, a close game, relative close game. If you want to, ch- if you want to slide the on an alternate line, go and make it four and a half, and then take the Cardinals to cover. That that would be reasonable. That that at right at four points, I'm just not comfortable either way. Um, so yeah, I, I'd go with I, I'll go with a push, and, and I'm just gonna avoid the. I'm, if I bet the game, I'm gonna move the line to. Maybe and take slightly higher juice. Maybe move it to four and a half or five, maybe five and a half, and then go Cardinals. But any other way, uh, I'm just going to stay away from the spread. And I think the I think the Bears coming with a 28-24 win It's going to be pretty high scoring.
1: Yeah, I've got it 31-28. Uh, the Bears take this one, but the Cardinals cover.
0: And with that, we'll end this edition of the Rise Up Sea red podcast. This Cardinals Talk of the Web. Uh, you will hear me and Alyssa on the show on Saturday as this one drops on a Friday. And then Seth and I will come back after the Christmas weekend uh, be able to talk about how the Bears and the Cardinals did. That's Seth Cox. I'm Chess Root. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, or many other podcast platforms, so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up, Red Sea, be red, Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up, Sea Red.